the nursery on up to Second Road to head to Children's Church. If you want, you're welcome to stay here as well at Wish Week. For the rest of us, we're going to dive into our text this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to pick up in verse 25 and read on through to verse 37. This is Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, reading to verse 37. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. The word of God says this. It says, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And the lawyer answered, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But which one should justify himself? He said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up, bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the one who fell into the robber's hands? And this lawyer said, the one who showed mercy, Lord. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Please be seated. I have to be honest with you, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to do this message and to talk about this verse. The, the parable of the Good Samaritan is, is a popular one for sure. I'm sure many of you know it, but it is increasingly becoming one of my favorite parables of Jesus and, and just what he says and, and, and what it does to our mindset and how we think I find to be just so, so, so profound. You know, this is one of those parables that, that we often learn at a very young age. In fact, sometimes we kind of learn this parable even when we didn't grow up in, in kind of church life. It is not uncommon in our, in our culture today to hear the word Good Samaritan come together, even if we don't necessarily know what it's talking about. We have things like Good Samaritan laws. We hear people say, like, I, was being, I just was being a good Samaritan and all of this type of stuff. And, and the funny thing is, is sometimes we really don't think about what that means. But when we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan and especially the context that goes around it, we realize that this is a truly, truly remarkable passage. As we wrap up our refocus series here at Kenner Hill, I want us to look at this passage 
and revisit the theme that has been the theme of our year. Now, if you were to look out into the vestibule, in fact, I would encourage you as you leave today to look out, and as you leave today, there's a, a large framed picture that says two words on it. It says, love fervor. And that has been our challenge for 2023 is to love and specifically to love further, to love further than is expected, to love further than you might feel comfortable loving, to to take love and compassion, grace and mercy farther than what we would normally expect in our culture today. And the passage that we have
but loving myself is what I'm good at. Putting myself is what I'm good at. See, Jesus says to this man, like, love the, love the Lord your God with, with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do this, you'll live. And that should have sent off warning bells in this man's head that said, I don't do well. I love myself. I love God some of the time. Maybe even most of the time. But I can't honestly say I love him with all that I am. Because if I'm really honest with myself, still to this day, there are parts of myself and there are part of my life that I still want to hold back from God. Because I think I can do them better. On top of it, I, I, it's hard to love everybody as much as I love me. My life sounds awesome. I'm good looking. I'm smart. I'm articulate. Boom agrees with me. People are inconvenient and demanding and difficult and frustrating. See, these should have sent off all of these warning lights in, in, in this, this lawyer, this expert of the law's head, and yet they didn't. In fact, he, he kind of went the opposite right. He said, hold on, 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 hold on. Now, when you say love your neighbor as yourself, who exactly are you talking about? He asked this question. It says, wishing to justify himself, he asked the second question, which is, who is my neighbor? This idea of justifying himself is he's wanting to put himself back in the righteous life, putting himself back in the I'm a good person category, and he wants to show that he is right even if other people are wrong. The question is essentially asking, who do I have to show love to? Who do I have to be loving towards? And by implication, who are the people that I can be totally unloving towards and completely ignoring? And Jesus introduces this parable. And in doing so, he changes it just a little bit. And he changes the question from not who do I have to love, but rather answers the question, what does it mean to be loving towards others? We're going to focus in today more on the Samaritan than, than anyone else in the passage and all that stuff and, and begin to answer the question, what does it mean to love others further? What does it mean to love further? What is the example that Jesus gives us of fulfilling the, the command to love our neighbor as ourselves? And I want to challenge you to look at three different areas of your life and ask yourself the question, am I loving others further? The first area of your life is others. We have to ask ourselves the question of do we pick others over our own priorities? Do we choose others only over our own priorities? Because what, that is what we see in the Samaritan. He chose others over his own priorities. So going into the story and kind of reestablishing what has happened is we have this parable. And bear in mind, this is a, this is a fictional story. This is, but it was a common thing. And it 
says that we had a man who was, who was going on a journey, and he left from Jerusalem, which was at a high elevation, and he was going down to a city called Jericho. This was not an uncommon thing. The very fact that it's Jerusalem and Jericho would have given the implication to El Bashir, which was a Jewish man. This had been one of their, 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 their nation, one of their people, kind of one of their family members, and he goes on a journey. And as he goes on this journey, he falls among robbers. And those robbers not only take all of his possessions, but strip him naked, beat him, and leave him for dead. And as we are on this road, somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, three men are shot dead in front of us. All of them have a reason to be tragic. All of them have somewhere to be. So we have the first and foremost, we have the, the, the Levite and we have the priest. And, and we really don't get a reason for what they're doing. We don't really get the, the story behind them. And, and I don't think it matters. They could have had a thousand excuses. If this was a real person, we could have said a, a thousand things. And if you think about it, how often do we make an excuse for not being loving towards others? I'm busy. I'm under deadline. It's getting dark. I don't know. I don't know him. This might be unsafe. I don't know. We have all of these reasons. We have all of these things for not helping people. And the reason and, and, the, and the fact is that they all had somewhere that they were trying to be. There was a reason they were traveling on the road that, that day. For the priest and the Levite, they may have been going home. They may have both been, been doing their, their, their Levitical and their priestly duties in Jerusalem. And, and their time of service had ended. And so they were going home. To be with family and to see their to see their wife and their children. Maybe they were maybe they were going in that office, in the priestly office, in in the office of the Levite, and they were going to conduct business and to to do things to to minister to other people. They were going to a synagogue to speak or encourage. Who knows? Even our our, our Samaritan in the passage, he was on a journey. Maybe he was going to conduct business taking his wares and his things and, and going to the next town over or going even beyond Jericho so that he could make a life for himself or make a living. They all had places to be and people to see. And I think all too often our priorities can become so loud in our head that we cannot think of anything else. We have things that we simply must get done. And because of this, we tend to respond to un, the unexpected just as the priest and the Levite did. So if we look at verses 31 and 32, it says in both cases that they passed on by. See, sometimes when our priorities seem very loud and they have a, a, a great kick to them and, and they're, they're so important and we, we see that in our lives and we just think, I can't be bothered. And I will tell you, I struggle with that. In fact, even as I was reading this and I was preparing for this today, I thought to myself, this is my number one problem. See, I tend to be one of those, I tend to be one of those uh, goal-oriented people. 
there, there are people that are real focused on, on people and, and, and all that stuff, and there's people that are real focused on goals. I tend to be more focused on goals, and I tend to look at the things going on in my day and say, okay, I need to do A and B and C and D and A, and if I go here and then do this and then do that, and I tend to do that to the point that when the unexpected happens, I tend to keep moving. I'll put it on the list for later. I don't have time for that. That's going to have to be someone else's problem. And I find that often my priorities take precedence over people's priorities. And that's not what Jesus is showing us here. In fact, I want you to see how the Samaritan responds. Looking again at verses 33 and 35, it says, But a Samaritan was on a journey. He had somewhere to be. And when he came upon the man who fell on robbers, he saw him, he felt compassion, and he came to his aid. Everything that Samaritan did, and I'm like even expanding on that, he came to him, he bandaged up his wounds, he poured oil and, and wine on them, he put him on his beast, he, he, he took him to an end. Everything that, that the Samaritan did for this would ultimately delay his journey, would keep him from doing the things that he had set out to do from turning aside to the, on the road, from allowing the man to be carried on a donkey, which would undoubtedly have slowed things down, stopping at the end to take care of him, even spending a night there when maybe his plan was to keep going along the road. Everything that he did delayed him and would have delayed him for possibly days. But because of compassion, he showed he made the different choice. He set the person as the priority over the goal. He chose a person in need over his own priorities. Paul speaks to this as well, maybe motivated by this very parable. In Philippians 2, chapter, four, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, we read this. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard as one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. That's a tough thing to do. That is hard for us, and it's something that requires us to, to think differently and to really let the Spirit work in our lives and to be open sometimes in ways and in areas that we're not always open, but we need to have this mindset that other people are important and their needs may very well be more important than your own. Because of that, we have to set aside sometimes our own priorities so that other people can be ministered to. Not only do we see that the good Samaritan chose others over his own priorities, but he also chose others over his own preferences. We have to admit we live in a very, very materialistic society. We just love things. And if, you, and if you don't believe me, live somewhere for a long period of time. How many of you have lived in a house for over a year and still have things in boxes from when you moved in? Man, I'm glad I'm not the only one raising my hand. I've heard Nova say it for a second. I didn't plan that. We just don't. We have so much stuff that we have stuff that we don't even get out of boxes anymore, but we don't get rid of. Sometimes I open those boxes and I go, wow. And then just close the box up and put it back on the shelf. 
we love stuff and we spend so much time getting stuff. And then once we get stuff, then we want new stuff and we want better stuff. We have like things sometimes where we start with one thing, knowing full well we're going to bigger one and then a bigger one. Get your first car. And that gets you around. But then eventually you buy a little bit nicer car. And then a little bit nicer car, and then maybe I'm a guy. Then maybe then you get then you finally get your truck. Then you need a bigger truck. And when my wife leaves the room, I'll tell you that I also got to get a boat. And then you're going to get a bigger boat. Hi. And we love getting our stuff. As I look at my kids, and even raising kids in this materialistic society, I find the challenge seeing my kids pick people over their stuff. And I look at this scenario. Look at the resources that he had that he gave up because of the need of this man that he fell among the robbers. See, this Samaritan had, to use his bandages, we don't know what that might have been. It might have been cloth from his own personal thing. It could have been a thousand other things. He had wine. He had oil, both that he used to, to clean the wound. He put the, the man on his own animal, which meant that either he couldn't ride on it or that it was more burdened and more exhausted faster. He paid for not only his own stay at the inn, but the stay of the, the, the man at the inn, and even going so far as to just give away two days' wages to see that the man was taken care of. These were all resources that this Samaritan needed on his trip, and yet he gave them away freely. To see this man made well. I don't think there's any question that the priest and the Levite had resources. As was the provisions that we see in the law, the priest and the Levite were given certain things. They had, they were given money and, and, and food and all sorts of things for their priestly work and their work as a Levite. And because of that, there's no question that these two men had resources. And yet instead, they passed by. In fact, even so much as to go to the other side. Because they were unwilling to give up their time or their resources to help this man who lay there dying. John, writing to the church in 1 John chapter 3, talks about this. He says, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God about that for just a second in the context of what we've just read. We have a man who is a priest whose job is to intercede between the, the rest of Israel and God and yet he is displaying by his behavior that the love of God is not in him. We have a Levite whose job is to do the work around the, te the temple having this special role because of his family and yet by his actions we see the love of God is not in him. Brothers and sisters, let us not be those who are known as children of God, as these little Christ, these Christians who then do not have the love of God in them. We cannot love our stuff 
so much that we refuse to give it up to love others. It is just stuff. And no matter how nice it is, or how vintage it is, or how expensive it is, or even how useful it is, it is a just Given enough time and enough years, everything we own will end up in a landfill or a junkyard or in a box in somebody's basement. None of them will last to eternity, but people will. And our love may very well make their eternity. And whether they go on to be with Christ or they go on to be separated from him forever, we need to love. Finally, we see that the Samaritan chose others over his own comfort. In the U.S., we tend to be a very comfort-obsessed it's really one of the reasons we have so much stuff. We sell comfort in every way we can, from our clothes and our undergarments to our shoes to our furniture. We sell comfort in, in the form of homes and cars. We literally have a brand named Lazy Boy to promote the most comfortable chair it can be. We avoid and make excuses for anything that would ever make us uncomfortable. We have, I mean, if you think, think about how much our society today is shaped by the desire to avoid discomfort. Don't like having uncomfortable conversations? Don't have to. We have, we have online banking. We have online uh, grocery store shopping. We have online food. They'll deliver it right to your door. We have come to a place in our society where you can order McDonald's from your phone and have someone deliver it to your house, set it down on the door in front of you, ring the doorbell, and walk away, and then you can go out and get your McDonald's. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but that is, that is all for the sake of not having to have a face-to-face -face conversation. Because it might be uncomfortable. Now, I know it can be used for other things, like if you're sick or, or, or you're stuck at home or whatever. But we have taken our society to that point, is that we avoid discomfort so much that we have created a service industry to avoid every kind of discomfort imaginable. And yet our Samaritan chose discomfort over comfort to care for someone else. But we need to remember that. <laughs> Think about all the uncomfortable things that the Samaritan took on in order to show care for this elder. First off, he went to him not knowing the situation. I was kind of, I, I was struck by this uh, earlier. I was struck by the fact that this man had been attacked by robbers. Which means... There were robbers on that road. This guy was proof that there were bad people in the area. My, the inclination might be to keep going because you know it's not safe. You know you're in danger. You know something is wrong. You know the bad people in the area. And yet he says, I'm going to take longer 
I'm going to run the risk of the robbers coming back for me to see this man taken care of. This man faces discomfort in taking care of this other person's wounds, for dressing them and pouring things on them and cleaning them up and bandaging them. I, I am not a medical person. That stuff is gross. And I don't even want to think about how gross this man probably looked laying there in the dirt, having been out there for a while, certainly long enough for two other people to pass by and ignore him. And so whatever he was going into the face, there might have been discomfort in seeing what, how bad this man really was. Looking at the wounds, assessing them, dressing them, cleaning them up. He faced discomfort as he picked him up and tried to lift this man who could probably barely lift himself. And not only lift him up to his feet, but ultimately lift him onto the donkey and get him in a comfortable position. Because of this man being on his beast, he probably took more time on the road, not only addressing his wounds and taking care of him, but also having to go slower because of the extra weight on his animal. So he had to walk slower. He had to be out in the, the heat for a longer period of time. He was out in harm's way for a longer period of time. And even as he got to the end and the place where in theory he would have finally been able to rest and get something to eat and to get something to drink, what did he spend his time doing? Taking care of the other person. Not getting to go down into the restaurant or, or, or the, the common area to have a drink and to eat some food. He was willing to do all of this, even to put his own life in jeopardy for the sake of a man he never met. That is amazing. He was willing to take on all of that, all of that discomfort, giving up of his resources, giving up of his time, giving up of his priorities for someone he never met because he had compassion, because he showed love towards him, and he wanted to make sure he was all right. You know, that reminds me of someone else I know. Paul speaks of this man in Romans chapter 5. He says, for one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we look at the Good Samaritan, we see a man that was willing to risk his life to rescue someone else. Who because of love, because of compassion, because of mercy, gave up amazing things. Gave up his money, gave up time, gave up a lot of things to see one restored. We begin to see that this is exactly what Christ came to do. See, Jesus gave up eternity. He gave up his seat beside the Father. He came here to face a certain death. And he did so to see others restored. Not people that were close with him, but rather people that were far away. In fact, again, as it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus himself said it this way, which I think is the most encouraging way. In John 15, 13, it says, and Jesus himself said it this way. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life.
first friends. See, we've been called, and we've been challenged this year to love further. And at the heart of all of that is God, is Jesus and Him. That we would be willing to lay down ourselves, to lay down our priorities, to lay down our resources, to lay down our comfort for the sake of others. We have to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to love people, even strangers, even people different than us, even people who, who maybe by worldly standards are enemy? Are we willing to love these people as much as Christ loves us? Are we willing to choose love, compassion, and mercy over our own priorities and our own possessions? Are we truly willing to love our neighbors in the same way that Christ loves us? So as we look at our passage, we begin to recognize that Jesus was preparing his people that he was going to lay it all down. And that Jesus loved us so much that in his sinless perfection, died for our sins and he rose from the grave three days later. And he did that not just so that he could show what a good person he was or set a good example. But he did so to rescue us. Much like the Samaritan rescued this man who fell among robbers. He came to save us from our sin and from the penalty of sin so that we might be made right before God saved from our sin and our brokenness and able to pursue Christ. See, this is what the gospel is. When we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are living out the gospel. And as we are here today, we invite you to the same gospel invitation. I want you to understand today that God loves you so much he sent his one and only son. And the Bible says that if you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that you will make him the Lord of your life, repenting of your sin, turning to Jesus, that you will be saved. And when you experience this kind of love, then you will be able to start giving that love to others as well. If you would like to to know more about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. As we close our time in prayer and one last song, I will be standing up front. I would invite you to come up and, and have a conversation with me. I'd love to tell you a little bit more about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you've already done that, I challenge you today. How are you loving further? And what are those priorities and those possessions and those comforts? That you need to lay down so that you might love others the way Christ needs you to. Let's pray. My gracious God and King, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to be in your house and to get in the word together. Lord, we have been given an amazing challenge today. And I, and, and I think of even the question that Jesus had for the 
for this, this lawyer, for this expert in the law, when he said, which one of these men proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Well, I pray that we would take that personal, we would ask ourselves the question, how am I being like the Samaritan to those that I come in contact with? How am I seeing these people the way you see them? How am I loving these people, showing them compassion and mercy? Lord, how am I seeing these people rescued through the power of the gospel? My God, my children, if there's anyone in this room who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God, I pray that today is the day they would surrender their life to Jesus. And God, for those that, that need to lay down their priorities, their possessions, their comforts, Lord, I pray that now is the time that we hand those things Lord, that we take up the challenge to love fervently so that people might experience you. God, we ask these things.